From Boca Raton, Florida, this is Behind the Bima. On this episode, the rabbis are joined by the Hanhola and the Kola Younger Light from the Yeshiva of South Florida. Rosh Yeshiva Rabbi Yoni Levin shares his vision for the Yeshiva. Rav Rafal Stoll explains what he is looking to accomplish in his role as Mashkiach. The Menachel Rav Simcha Shabtai talks about how the Yeshiva got started and describes a typical day at the Yeshiva. Rosh Kola Rav Yitzchak Rosenfeld and Rosh Besifter of Yaakov Steinmetz talk about what makes the Yeshiva environment special and what Talmidim can expect. And the members of the Kolo talk about their path to the Yeshiva of South Florida and about their experience being a part of its exciting launch. All this and more, Behind the Bima. Good evening, I'm Rabbi Ephraim Gobert, joined by my dear friend and colleague Rabbi Josh Brody. It's Wednesday night at 9 p.m. and we are here to take you... Behind the Bima. Behind the Bima, for a very special edition of Behind the Bima, a Meet the Yeshiva of South Florida edition. Normally we have one guest. We have some incredible guests, by the way. I haven't even filled you in. Lined up in the coming weeks. This is not one guest. This is an opportunity. One of the greatest, newest things to hit Kalal Yisrael, to hit the Jewish world, is the Yeshiva of South Florida. And tonight's an opportunity for those who don't live in Boca, not in South Florida, who have not had the privilege of connecting with the Yeshiva, to get to meet the people behind the Yeshiva, learn a little bit about the Yeshiva, and be inspired by this incredible new energy, this incredible new movement of Torah. And we're going to welcome in that leadership uh, one by one, little by little. It's going to be an incredible, incredible night. But first, Rabbi Brody, how are you? What a night. First of all, it's great to be back on a full live show. Not to say that most of them are are, are not live. I'm sure many of them are live, but sometimes we tape. tape you never know what's going to happen. You never, you never know. know. This is a full hour. We're going to, maybe more. We are going to uh, be hanging out together. So I'm very, very excited about tonight. Tonight is actually a meaningful night on the Jewish calendar. Many people don't know or observe. I'd be surprised. You don't know, Rabbi Brody, now that you are a born-again Chabadniker. But tonight is the night of Hey Teves which is also known as Didan Natsach, because on Hey Tevis, the fifth of Tevis, a major victory. Didan Natsach means we won. And there was an announcement of we won. What did they win? It wasn't the Super Bowl. It wasn't the World Series. What did Chabad, what did the Rebbe announce that they had won? Are yeah, you familiar what, with this story? No. I was actually in with someone the, in the oil tonight, just for the record. Really? Yeah. 1985, Agurus Hasideh Chabad, the Chabad library, noticed that rare books and manuscripts were starting to go missing. Mm. And at the same time, they were missing from their library, which the Friedrich Rebbe, the last Rebbe, had bought from Europe an incredible amount, tens of thousands of, of Sfarim and rare manuscripts. At the same time they went missing, all of a sudden, collectors and sellers of rare books began to say there were suspicious things coming onto the market. <laughs> just, just a coincidence. Just a coincidence. We're missing that book, just and it just happens to be In 1985, right. there weren't as ubiquitous as today, you know, surveillance security cameras everywhere, right. but they had cameras, and they found actually a grandson of the Friedrich Rebbe, not obviously from the Rebbe, a grandson of the Friedrich Rebbe was stealing books from the Agudas Hasideh Chabad library and putting them up for sale. And he claimed, look, I'm a grandson of the Friedrich Rebbe. They come to me. They belong to me. They're my books. I inherited them. They're my books. I'm entitled to them. Hmm. And it was a major source of distress for the Rebbe. And they tried to take it to a Din Torah. And it ultimately went to court. And the trial lasted for 23 days. And the Rebbe, Chaya Mushka, the Lubavitcher Rebbe's Rebetzin, the Friedrich Rebbe's daughter, testified in court something that became iconic words. She famously said, I think they, they the Svarim, belong to the Hasidim because my father belonged to the Hasidim. Wow. I mean, you can't claim they were his, so they go to the grandson. They belong to Hasidim because my father belonged to the Hasidim, which apparently influenced the judge in his decision. 23-day trial. I won't say who the lawyer of the grandson was. I have was to he a former, former guest on Behind the Beam? <laughs> Possibly as a former guest on Behind the Bima. 
the lawyer for the lo- the, the the losing side, right. and um, and on on January sixth, nineteen eighty seven, um, the judge issued the ruling that it belonged to all of Lubavitch, and they pronounced Didan Natsach means victory is ours, and there was incredible joy, and you don't need much of an excuse, but Hey Teves became a date and an excuse to celebrate to get together and the beginning of a new minhag. You know what the minhag is? Chabad and Hey the night that the Sfarim were returned, were restored to Chabad. I have no idea. I'm just wondering, like, does everyone just take out a safer and just... The minhag is to buy Sfarim. Oh, it is the to, okay. to buy Sfarim. So here's my question to you, and we'll ask this question to our guests of Yeshiva of South Florida. Rabbi Brody, what's the most recent safer that you purchased? It's a good question. I... It, I, I purchased eight of them. I purchased eight volumes of the Kitzer in, in different editions. Just, just to, we gave them out. We gave them out to the, the people that are part of the new shear that we're, 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 we've begun. Now that you are in love but with the uh, Kitzer, teaching Kitzer every day. Before yeah. Well, I, I, I got to hand it over to Dr. Oppenheimer. I mean, I'm saying like this week, I think he did, you know, four out of the five nights so far. So He's been but, filling in. But I, but I think that's also a great lesson is that, is that sometimes you, you say to yourself, I can't even begin to, to the, whatever the project is or whatever I, I hope to do because I can't commit to it every day. Right. So to team up with someone, you say, I can't be there every day, but find right. someone that can and fill in. And right. then at least it gets going. And now, now there's, I don't know, 15, 20 guys that are coming, even some women that are coming right before Mincha every day. And then, really? Yeah. It's, it's a that's nice, uh, it's a nice, it's a nice little cover. I was just that's saying, amazing. you just mentioned that your site, you got another big yard site that just ended. Rabbi right. Tights, Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi right? Yeah. Rabbi Tights, the original. You knew him very well. You you grew up in Elizabeth. I knew him through our family that was very close with the Tights. In fact, Rabbi Tights, if I if I could move the camera, I know. Right Tights' picture wall. hangs on my wall. It's right next to my desk right now. A picture of Rabbi Tights and my grandparents, Sam and Ruth Aboff, Aleim Shalom, and Mayor Dunn, the Mayor yeah. of Elizabeth. Uh, I have a picture where they were. Uh, there's a a public school in Elizabeth named for my grandfather. My grandfather was the superintendent of the public school system of Elizabeth, and that was at the event. I still remember it. I was a little kid, um, and that was a, a picture of of that event, and it hangs on my wall. I think Rabbi, Rabbi Tights, our community, in many ways, tries to emulate uh, Rabbi Tights' leadership. Big year site for sure. Yeah. And and as we do transition to, to Yeshiva of South Florida, and, and soon we'll have the opportunity to start bringing people on, I do want to dedicate our Behind the Bema tonight, a Kaliso, the Jewish world lost, an extraordinary person, an extraordinary supporter of Torah, maybe, maybe this generation's greatest supporter of Torah, Rabbi Mori, Rabbi Moras Esformis, Rabbi Moshe Yitzchak, uh, was nifted today, passed away today after battling illness um, for a while. I didn't know him well. I didn't know him well at all. I only met him a handful of times, in fact, although one of them was for many, many hours. Um, but it's very relevant for tonight because when we said we were going to be opening a new yeshiva in South Florida and an introduction was made, and, and we went to go see Rabbi Esformis, and we sat with him for over three hours, and he had very clear opinions about what a yeshiva needs. And we'll talk about that tonight when we'll meet the mashkiach of the yeshiva South Florida. He said, look for yeshivas, all it cares about now, Rosh Hashiva is so important. You also need a mashkiach, and you need to emphasize this, and you need to prepare the boys to be B'nai Torah for life. And he had very, very, very strong opinions. And, and he sponsored our entire kolo for the first year of the yeshiva, which was Incredible. an enormous thing. Uh, an enormous thing. What a and I'll tell you, is. I'll tell you even an amazing story about him. I, I said to him, you know, for the yeshiva to get off the ground, not only the bachram, not only the boys, but there need to be older. There need to be kolel. In addition to the incredible rebellion, we need to have a kolel. We need to have role models. We need to fill the base medrash with the mature sounds of Torah. And then I turned to him, and I, you know, got all ready and got all geared up, and I asked him, would he sponsor? Would he sponsor the uh, the kolel for the first year? And I asked him for a certain amount, and he said to me. Uh, yeah, 
you got it. And then a little bit later, he mentioned in passing that he thought, like, a yeshiva needs more than that amount of guys. So in my own head, I did this, like, risk assessment. And I said, oh, this is a pretty risky move, but I'm going to go for it. I said, Rabbi Esformas, did I make a mistake a couple minutes ago by asking you for too little? He looked at me and he smiled and he said, you sure did. You sure I said, did. would you sponsor this many, Kolo? And he said, you got it. Wow. And it was an enormous, enormous thing that really helped get this yeshiva started. So it's not just our yeshiva. I think he supported 100 kololim and yeshivas across America. Rabbi Esformas wore a little kippasruga. He went to Karen Biavna, right. Chicago, from Chicago. But certainly in the in the Lakewood Kolo movement across America and every stream of, of Torah orthodoxy, he didn't really care. He just supported Torah. Yeah. And he told Amazing. us the stories he told us of when he was in Karen Biavna in Eretz Yisrael. He was a, in his words, he was a Ben Bias by Rav Shach. He was close to Gedola Yisrael and he developed this very broad view. And he was very blessed and, and worked hard and was extremely successful in life. And he used it to support Torah. And he was a, a big character, a big character, no doubt. Um, and, uh, and and such a character that, by the way, people think that he, he didn't necessarily have Anivas humility in his support of all that Torah. When we said, how can we acknowledge? How can we thank you? What can we do? Name. He said, don't even mention my name connected wow. with the yeshiva because that could complicate things for the yeshiva. What do you need that for? <laughs> so humble. It was so lishma. So he wrote one check, one check for his commitment to get our kolo started of our yeshiva and didn't ask for anything in return. Not his name anywhere. Nothing. Nothing at all. So it's a big, big loss for Kala Yisrael. And there are yeshivas and kololim across not just America, but across the world, whose very existence is only because of his generosity. Right. Um, and he definitely had, had strong opinions and strong thoughts and passion and enthusiasm, but that made a very a, a richer Torah world. And that's a huge, huge loss. And it's appropriate for us to dedicate this uh, episode as we meet the yeshiva of South Florida in his memory. I think the Leviah is taking place in Chicago in a few hours and he'll be buried in Eretz Yisrael and his family should get Nechama, should get strength through the the wonderful legacy that he leaves and the, the transformational difference that he made to Torah across this uh amazing across the Listen, before, world. before you bring before you bring the the yeshiva on I'm, I'm sure pretty much everyone's wondering where did you come up with the idea to start a yeshiva like where does this the kolel oh. how does that you know what i'm saying you're gonna speak to the guys and we hear about what they're doing but where did it begin the introduction, the introduction. Yeah. So that, that's a good, that's actually a, a perfect segue for us to start and then and then bring the Rosh Hashiva on. Um, it goes back several years and I was with someone in our community who should have a long life and a healthy and a happy life uh, as an outstanding member of our community who's transformed and impacted our community um, in the short time that he's been here by making a huge difference. Hmm. And I don't have permission to say his name publicly. You can say um, my name, it's okay. <laughs> but but he said to me, we were once traveling somewhere together, and he said to me, you know, Rabbi Goldberg, what's your wish list? What are like five things that you dream of that you one day want to make happen? Yeshiva wasn't on it. Actually, there's other dream of, you know, why do we have to send our children for college elsewhere? Can't we create branches of whichever system locally in South Florida so our children can have a Jewish college experience locally without having to go anywhere? So the next day he calls me and he says, I'm flying down with Aaron Cutler, and we're going to start a yeshiva. For the college <laughs> i was talking about the girls i have six right. daughters and a son right. i was talking about i was talking about the girls and Mikachava, he flew down and he flew down several times and he pushed and he pushed and he pushed and we had this dream and and it's a whole process we didn't know yeshiva of south florida who who was it serving only south florida people at first was it that boca 
Boca has a wonderful yeshiva, TTB. We're very close. We work closely with beautiful Torah institutions, but this would be another. So was it for Boca, South Florida as a whole, which has, thank God, many yeshivas, or the whole Torah world? Was this going to fill a niche that wasn't being filled? Was this geared towards a more yeshivish uh, world where they tend to go to base medrash after high school before going to Israel? Right. Was this geared to the more modern Orthodox, for lack of better terms, you know I hate these labels, world who go to Eretz Israel, go to Israel after high school, for a year or two and then go to yeshiva. So we went through all of this, trying to debate and study demographics and understand the needs and the niches and consult with big people and and look. And, um, you know, things changed radically when Rabbi Simi Shabtai, Simcha Shabtai, who we're going to speak to, became our menahel, came on board and gave his all and worked tirelessly. And from there, found the perfect Rosh Hashiva, dream come true Rosh Hashiva, who is still a dream come true because he doesn't live in Boca. He's Moser Nefesh. His sacrifice is unbelievable. His family, that he comes down every week. We couldn't dream. And from there, the pieces fell into place of the most amazing Rebbeim and Anala. Just incredible, passionate, huge themselves, Talmud Chacham, scholars, role models, examples, mentors. And, and from there, you create a yeshiva and you wonder. And I don't know if you've ever been part of starting something and and you, people are changing their lives. We're going to bring them on in a moment. But right. you're talking about the Rosh Shiva, the Rebbeim, maybe not the Rosh Shiva, he took many risks coming, but those who moved here gave notice, left their positions, left and packed up their homes and said, I'm going to Florida. That was before we had one boy registered, one Bacher registered right. for the Yeshiva. Right. What happens? What happens if, yeah, like for me, what happens if no one I, don't shows get, up? <laughs> I don't get paid a penny. I don't make a living. I have another right. full-time job. I'm very limited in my involvement. It's not day-to-day. Um, you know, my life would continue if the experiment failed. Right. And for the enormous, the Balabasu, incredible generosity, there's some risks, you know, financially, but his life wouldn't be affected if it failed, be right. a disappointment. But the Rebbeim, they gave notice and they were moving before there's you There's nowhere to go back to. Yeah. So right. one of the things that Rabbi Asformas, maybe Rabbi Stoll when we have him on, Rabbi Shabtai, one of the ways that we got him to support the Kolel, because he had a lot of opinions, a lot of thoughts, but we used a language, a Lashon, that really gripped him. And each time we spoke afterwards, he he reminded us of that, that sentence that we said, which really made him committed to do it. We said, failure is not an option. Hmm. Our community and the Torah world needs this yeshiva. Because he said, what if you fail? What if this fail? What if this fail? We said, failure is simply not an option. Right. It's just not an option. And he loved that. If you knew Rabbi Sformas, he loved it. Failure is not an option. Failure is not an option. For the Hashmonaim, failure wasn't an option. Right. Right. For, for throughout our history, failures, push it. It's simply not an option. He loved that. And uh, and that's it. So you formulate the yeshiva wow. and then you start recruiting. And recruiting, we'll get into this with, with all the Hanhala with the with the Rebbeim in a moment. But you do recruiting and recruiting these days is is recruiting is tough and it's frequent and recruiting is competitive. And then you wonder, like, okay, there was a lot of interest. There was a great groundswell of people who said, this is a wonderful thing that you're doing. But when push comes to shove, will they sign up? Right. Right. Our yeshivas in conjunction, eight out of the 13 boys are also um, uh, in Turo, getting a Turo University degree. But, you know, will they sign up? I'll go so far as to tell you that we had an amazing Elul, and then Sukkot break comes, Ben Azmanim comes, and, and the boys go home. <laughs> you thought and maybe they weren't going to show back. So Come the back. day after the day the newsman started after Sukkot, I went to the yeshiva. Yeah. Personally, I went. Yeah. Because I wanted to make sure I wanted to see with my own eyes, did they come back? Did they show up? Right. Did they come back? Because you know, you have this thought, maybe you know, it was a great 
you'll hear all about. It's an immersive yeshiva. It's all in one location. It's beautiful. You're out of town without distractions. It's intended. The rebbeim are incredible, accessible, warm, hands-on. It's amazing. Okay, so but maybe these boys go home and over Sukkot, wherever they are, they're with their friends. We tell them about the yeshiva. Maybe they go, you know, that was fun, but I'm ready to go join my friends. Right. Like, are they gonna? And when they all came back. I let out the biggest sigh of relief you can imagine. <laughs> that was Ben Azman of Sukkot. Now we had off for Hanukkah, Shabbos Hanukkah. And now we got lucky because the boys went home and then they just came back. They just got back and they just got back from, they had to dig out from under snow and blizzards and freezing right. cold. And now we had no fear that they were all <laughs> they coming were never back. never going back. There was no question they were all right. coming back now. So Rosh Hashiva, we're joined by Rabbi oh, Yoni Levin. My dear wow. friend Rabbi Yoni Levin, the Rosh Hashiva, Rosh Hashiva, you're a dream come true. We never imagined or dreamt that we were going to get you. It's incredible. Rosh Hashiva is sitting in the, the outdoor courtyard of the yeshiva. Those are lights. That's not the ceiling. They're not lights in a ceiling. That's the sky behind the Rosh Hashiva. And those are string lights and those are real trees. And this is where, where this is a December 28th night. Hey, Teves. No winter coat. <laughs> no winter coat. Sitting outside. But Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi Levin, it's a big messiah. It's a big sacrifice that you come down every week, Monday to Thursday, a bigger sacrifice for your family. Why? Why were you willing to do it? Why take a risk on it? Why leave your family? Tell us about your connection with the yeshiva. Sure. I mean, it goes back to the phone call. I still remember the phone call. It was an Arab Shabbos when you called me maybe two years ago. This was quite a process. And I've always had a dream to, to teach, to teach in yeshiva, to teach at the highest level. And opportunities have come along the way, but nothing like this. And I remember when you presented this idea to me, I said, this is the first idea I've heard in a while that I'm actually excited about. Because the opportunity to teach at a high level, to, to help boys grow, to help make B'nai Torah, to help move them on to the next stage in their life, to connect to Torah, connect to Yiddishkeit. And obviously I've got a lot in New York, family in Ish Kodesh there, and this is a very big struggle, but Baruch Hashem, the excitement of the yeshiva was, uh, was enough to have me and more importantly, my wife to agree to this. Yeah, to, for people to appreciate, um, I shared this recently to the, to the yeshiva itself. My daughter in middle school had a project at school to do a project of somebody who was most nefesh, somebody who sacrificed for Yiddishkeit, for Judaism. And, you know, there's sort of obvious you could do a, a, a project about a, a survivors and their mysterious nefesh. But even the project was not about people who give up their lives. It was more, you know, people didn't work on Shabbos, people who were most nefesh. And my daughter did her project on Rebetz and Levin and her mysterious nefesh that her husband leaves every week to wow. go start a new yeshiva in Florida. That's how far this level of mysterious nefesh goes. It was the subject of her report, and I'm proud to say that she got a, a great score on her, a great grade on her on her report, because the story is so powerful and compelling, and we are so deeply appreciative, and we should thank. Rebbe Levin, tell us a little bit, Rosh Hashiva, tell us a little bit about your background and where you grew up and what you prepared you for this day. And you didn't always think you were going down that track of, of teaching Torah in this way and at this high level. Yeah, that, that's certainly true. Uh, Goldberg and I grew up together. I mean, uh, he's a few years uh, with different age. I won't say who's older, but we're a few years <laughs> different. A lot uh, more gray in my beard. <laughs> I'm catching up. We grew up in B'nai Asher in Tinek. Wow. And I mentioned in the past that we both sat, our, both our families sat in the front two rows of B'nai Asher under Rabbi Przanski. I say to people, when your family sits in the front row, that shows that your parents have a real covered for tefillah, covered for the rav, and it, it makes a big impact. Me, my, my siblings, and Robert Goldberg and his siblings. Uh, but that's where I started off. And never did I dream that I would end up being a, a rebbe, a teacher, a rav of any sort. I used to be an actuary. I was an actuary for really? one year of my life. Yeah. I, I majored. I was a big uh, math geek. I majored in math. And I was always told you should be an actuary. Mathematics uh, goes with actuary work. So that's what I did for you. 
uh, my wife and I, we actually used to work together. She's much smarter than I am. So she had a job at PricewaterhouseCoopers, PwC as an accountant. And she got me a summer internship as an actuary. After two summer internships, I worked there full year, full year, full time. And after a full year, I, I retired and I quit. And uh, I decided this was not for me. And uh, I, I remember saying to my wife that I never learned Baba Kama. I mean, how do I go on with life without learning Baba Kama? Let me learn a few more Masechtas and maybe I'll go back to work. And we decided then that I'll go back to learn and we'll see where College Baruch takes me. I used to be, I, I had a real fear of public speaking. I did not ever anticipate being a rabbi, to be a rebbe, to be a rav, to give a drasha. I had a real fear of public speaking. Wow. And however things happen, I ended up here. You take that step, Hashem, uh, Hashem gives you the kochos to, to finish, which really is amazing. So about 11 people, you know, certainly they know you're as a rav of Eish Kodesh and connection to Panimius HaTorah and to the world of Hasidus and to the depth of that, which is an incredible gift to the yeshiva too, that you bring that. I know you give a, a weekly share on Hasidus also um, to the boys. But talk about the siyumim, the siyum and this year's siyumim that you make every year. I know you don't like to. You're very humble. I'm going to make you. I'm going to force you to. It's on me. I make a seam. I make an annual seam. I mean, uh, annual seam. Annual seam. Oh, what do we make a seam on here? Rabbi, Rabbi I, it's, it's my fault. I shouldn't have asked you to do that. <laughs> Rabbi Levin makes an annual seam hashas. An annual seam hashas. We have a member of our community, Rabbi Levin, was at this seam, a member of our community who was inspired by the Rosh Hashiva seam hashas to himself take on and complete and make a seam hashas. He's now doing it again the next round. He did it in two years. And Rosh Hashiva, I know now you're adding Yerushalmi, a seam, an annual seam on Bavli and an annual seam on Yerushalmi. How I'm trying to get it all done. I'm trying to just finish Shnaim Mikra. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you a big, a big, a few things happened in my life when I decided to do this around 10 years ago. Um, one of them was I used to, when I was in the five towns, I would uh, go to YU. I was finishing up the Kola Elyon. And it was a bit of a trek this way and that way. And then I started teaching in DRS. We had a base medjish program also. It was called Leif Shlomo with Rabbi Ari Leibowitz. And I just saved around two hours of my life not being in the car anymore. I said, what can I do with two hours and then some? And then that same week when I was thinking about this, someone gave me a book to read. Um, I'm forgetting the name of it. Uh, Rabbi Rieti wrote it. One Minute Masmid, it was called. I read it. I couldn't put it down. It was a fascinating story about taking advantage of every second of your life. That same week, I saw a Baal bus walking to the subway or to the train, learning while he was walking. I saw a second Baal bus the next day walking, learning in the street, so these guys are taking advantage of their time. Right. I've got all this extra time now, and let me see what I could do. My brother-in-law, I have an older brother-in-law who's a big Eloy, who rode around 80 Svarim. He just made a Sima Shas, a huge Sima Shas. said, maybe I could do this. And I just put a lot of time, a lot of energy. I like to set myself up with goals. I'm very ambitious. And things came together, and this is what happened. So what an incredible thing. The boys of the yeshiva have, have, have a rush yeshiva. Who you know practices what he preaches is a masman himself and is is completing and making these siyumim plus the 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 chasidus. Um, what what's your hope and dream for the boys as a rosh yeshiva? You rush comes from the top. What, what's the hope and dream? A boy who learned in yeshiva of South Florida in three years, five years, ten years when he becomes himself a balabas, he's married, he has children. What's the dream for what he looks like, how he's living, that he looks back and says, Yeshiva of South Florida, in addition to where the other places he learned, but in his formative time, Yeshiva of South Florida helped mold and shape him into what? What's the dream for the product of the Yeshiva of South Florida? I think the dream is different for every single one. Uh, I think our goal is to help the boys, the Bachim, fulfill their dreams. Everyone's got a different tafkid, 
Not every single person's meant to learn in kollel. Not every single person meant to be a rebbe. Some will, some won't. Some will be a businessman. Some will be lawyers, doctors. Our goal is to help put them on the path to be successful in both ruchnius and gashmis. And our hope is that they're b'nai Torah. If they're going to be a rebbe, great. If they're going to be in kollel, great. If they're going to be a businessman, great. But our goal is to make Torah the focus of their life. I'm just wondering, as someone that's from New York, and obviously we haven't been in the New York area for, for many, many decades now, are people saying that Florida is becoming a new destination for, for Jewish community, for Torahs? We see a lot of people moving in. Obviously, many people are still hold, holding out. They're still up in New York, New Jersey, and, and in that area. Are you hearing more people say, you know what? Florida is a future. It has a very strong Torah future. I hear people saying that a lot in the five towns community where I am but I'm not seeing people actually move from the five towns. I'm hearing people moving from other places and Florida certainly is, is growing, but people are talking about it, but no one, I don't know anyone from the five towns yet in my circles who've moved. There's now, there's the destination, the, the infrastructure is in place, including right. the yeshiva being a, an important part of that. So Rabbi Levin, last question, we, we want to bring out a lot of others and, and, and we know there's a Siam Bavli and Yerushalmi to be made, so we don't want to take too much time. So, Hey Teves, Minak to buy Svarim, apparently, at least in Chabad, Dida Natsach. What's the most recent Sefer the Rosh Hashiva has bought, or what's the most cherished Sefer the Rosh Hashiva owns? Uh, so, this is uh, not going to be so fascinating, but uh, it will be connected to what you were talking about, my Um, You know, I was in Shul uh, with next to Weinberg, I sit next to him, and I'm very good at keeping my Svarim very well bound and kept. And uh, I was never into guys throwing the, you know, the coats to the ground and the gemaras and needing to bind it and the pages falling out. I keep mine very neat as if they're never used. But there's one set that has taken abuse over the years, and that's my set of shas. A small set of shas that I got when I was in Yeshiva in Eretz over the first year, around 25 years ago, has gone with me from then till now. And uh, it was starting to fall off. It was, I was doing Babakama a couple weeks ago. So as much as Shabbos, I turned to Rav Weinberger, I said, What's the, what's the right thing here? I've got such a sentimental value to these Gemaras that I've been using for 25 years, and in particular the past 10 years, even more so. But the bonding's falling. The, the bold Rashis are not really so much there. What do I do? So I said, I noticed that Rwanberg had just uh, spoken child Shudas. He's using, using a Shemesh Shmuel, but it was a very old edition of the Shemesh Shmuel. So I said to Rwanberg, is this something sentimental that you're not buying a new Shemesh Shmuel? He said, no, no, the, the, the difference is the Shemesh Shmuel he was using, although the outside was, was worn, but the inside was the same exact letters. They never updated the letters the one he had. But he said for sure that if something has better print, it's better to buy the better print over the sentimental value. So the next mm. day, I went to Z Berman, but a brand new set of small shots. That's my newest purchase, and I've been using it ever since. We we'll look forward to it wearing out. Now, it's interesting. You did not say that your favorite safer is your own, is the safer that you wrote. Tell us about that safer. Um, that safer it's called Libi Omer on Hanukkah. And um, over the years, I've uh, got more involved in Pneumius and Hasidus. And something that always uh, drew me closer to the Yom Tovim was how the different uh, tzaddikim, Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Yosef, Yaakov, Moshe, Yosef, David, all of them, how they connected to each Yom Tov, Hanukkah, Purim. So I started to piece together some ideas. And I, Rev Weinberger, who, um, who knows every safer out there, he... I'm told is the second largest consumer from Beagle Eisen in the entire world. Every two weeks, he gets a new box of Svarm. He goes to what he wants. What he doesn't want, he sends back. He, he always told me that if he wasn't a rabbi, he'd be a librarian. 
He's got thousands of swarm. He knows every safer, what's in it, where it is. So either way, um, I ask him, is there any safer that writes about how the Shiva Rome, the seven shepherds, the seven tzaddikim, uh, they connect to Hanukkah? He says he's never seen it. But decided to write a safer on Levi Omer about Literally. Hanukkah. Amazing, amazing. Everyone should get it. Is it on sale now, Motzei Hanukkah? In time um, for next year's Hanukkah. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't get too involved in the sales, but uh, it's out there somewhere. Everyone should have a copy. Uh, Rosh Hashiva, first of all, I appreciate everything you're doing for our community, your family, Mesiris Nefesh, the leadership and the and the mentorship that you offer. I appreciate you did not tell the story about when I threw you out of Teen Minion when we were kids. I'm very <laughs> grateful for that. So we're grateful to the Rosh Hashiva. We thank you, Rabbi Levin, for back. all that you do and, and for the Yeshiva. And we're uh, super excited, not only for the present, we're even more excited for the future and for what it holds. My pleasure. Thank, thank you. you so much for the opportunity and looking forward to the next time. Thank you. Thank you. We have the uh, chance now with uh, two more guests, our Menahel and the Mashkiach of the Yeshiva, Rabbi Simcha Shabtai, Rabbi Simi Shabtai on the right, and Rabbi Rafael Stoll, Rabbi Rafi Stoll on the left. If you're watching on uh, YouTube, you'll you'll hear and recognize their voices. Menal and Mashkiach, welcome behind the Bima. Wonderful special edition Meet Yeshiva of South Florida. It is uh, it's great to see you both. We, uh, all, all of a sudden they're shy. Where uh, we'll start, Menal, Rabbi Shabtai, we'll uh, we'll start with you, Rabbi Shabtai. You had a lot on your plate. Your Rosh base medrash of BRS is base medrash doing so many other things, you jumped on board and you haven't stopped. I think everybody involved with the yeshiva will say that Rabbi Shabtai is this force to be reckoned with his engine. Nothing's too big or small to take care of to deal with the yeshiva. Why did you get excited? What in your life or your background got you excited to be involved in the yeshiva? Hold on, are you muted? Did we hear you? We lost. We're going to go to Rabbi Stahl in the meantime. Rabbi Stahl, same he's question. An he's an unav like that, you know? He wouldn't even yeah. answer the question. Back. Can we hear him now, Rabbi Shabtai? No, still struggling to hear. So we'll go to Rabbi Stahl for a moment, and then we will come back momentarily. Rabbi Stahl, mashkiach. Did you know? At what age did you say, I'm going to be a mashkiach? You know, people hear the word mashkiach, they think you're maybe in the kitchen supervising the food. But yeshivas historically has ha have had mashkichim. Maybe, maybe start up by telling us what does mashkiach mean to you? Rabbi Sformas, you remember that meeting. You remember how much he spoke about the importance, the role of a mashkiach, significance of the mashkiach. So what does a mashkiach mean to you? I guess I just try my best to teach Torah. I think that's probably what I would say. But I, uh, I'll tell you the, the most, uh, you're asking that question. I don't see myself as, myself as a mashkiach. It's a little, it's a little daunting. I see like a Baruch Lubavitz as a mashkiach. I see like, Volba as a mashkiach. I think it's a bizayon to the name of mashkiach. To uh, I apologize that I have that title. That being said, there's a uh, there's a line that I saw in a book. I think it's called Rib Laser about Rib Laser Gridzeller. No yeah. It's um, there's a line in there which I love. It's he was told he was asked about what makes his yeshiva unique. Or, I don't know, if he was asked, someone was saying what makes his yeshiva unique, and it was a chassidish yeshiva, and usually in chassidish yeshiva, I'm not such a chassid myself, uh, but in chassidish yeshivas, I was, I'm understanding that, like, the Rebbe is the Rebbe, you know, and that we all follow the Rebbe. And he said that in his yeshiva, it wasn't about trying to follow what the Rosh Yeshiva does. It was that the Rosh Yeshiva is looking 
in a direction of truly great people. And we're all trying to get there together. So I, I think that my role is just to love Rabbi Rucham, Lovovitz, to love Revolba, to love all the other greats and try to like just gather a chevra of people to love them with me. But is the role of a mashkiach different than a Rebbe? How is it different than a Rebbe? Obviously, both are teaching, communicating, transmitting, modeling Torah. But what additional component is there for a mashkiach? I think there's a lot of one-on-one conversations, getting to know every bacher, um, to see what everyone, you know, I, I always say, every Talmud of mine will know, I always say that I, I don't teach any Torah. I teach students. Meaning, the, uh, so you really have to just know Bachrim. And I think, I, I love my job. I love everything about what I do because you just get to know people. I love people. And uh, that's, I, I think that's what Mishkiel is trying to do, just trying to know people and trying to get them to see even greater people, you know, and we're just trying to get them together. I, I really just see myself as a Talmud trying to, uh, trying to become greater myself with my friends. Anyone who knows or still knows how, how on fire you are, not only in your role at the Yeshiva of South Florida, but also as the head of the Masmidim at the Katz Yeshiva High School, and just you light the people around you up on fire, that energy. So how is it? I mean, you got Baruch Hashem, Kenai Nahara, a beautiful family, now multiple roles and responsibilities. It seems like you never tire. It seems like you never run out of energy. You're passionately on fire, and, and that's contagious. I, I saw that when you were in the Kolel in Hollywood, and you got the whole community rallied everybody to take on learning. There was a big CM. I had the privilege to, to attend. And I saw the way you were lighting everyone. And now you're lighting. You're lighting like teenage kids on fire. You're lighting Bachram and Yeshiva and the base Medrash on fire. How, how do you not run out of energy? How are you still on fire? Again, I'm not going to talk about myself, but I'll tell you another, uh, another great person that I, that I love. There's a book. I'm sorry for calling all these Godolin books, but I, I can tell you, I love, I love great people. There's a book by about... Uh, Rav Moshe Tversky Zatzal. Uh, and I, I know his his brother, Rav Meir Tversky, is a rabbi of mine. And I wasn't Zoha to, uh, to ever meet Rav Moshe Tversky in person, but just knowing Rav Meir Tversky and how much he affected me, I can only imagine the, I'm just reading about the greatness of Rav Moshe Tversky. And in chapter five of that book, it's called The Malach in Our Midst. If you haven't read it, you should get it. It's chapter five of the book. I think it's called uh, insatiable Talmud, I think, or a Talmud for life. I forgot which one. And in that in that chapter, he talks about Rav, Rav Moshe Tversky was always yearning for more. He was already a, a Rebbe in, he's, first of all, he's coming from, Rav Salvechik was his grandfather. He learned by the greats of the world. He learned his, Rav Abba Berman was his, was his father-in-law. We're talking about a per- person who, who's met greats. He was a Rebbe in Taras Moshe, for years. So he, he, he was like, he was a Rebbe, an accomplished Rebbe, a Talmud Chacham, learning about the greats of the world. And, and he was always, even in his 40s, 50s, he, I, he was always looking for more. So much so, so much so that, that he took off a Zman, an entire Elul Zman, to go to Manchester because he said he needed, he needed to be Mushba by the Manchester Rov. Hmm. A Rebbe in Yeshiva, he just said, I need that in my I need that part of my Avodos Hashem in my repertoire. And then he, he used to go once a week to from Yerushalayim, he would go, travel to Bnei Brak. His wife said about him, this is what the book says, his wife says about him, said about him at the Shiva, that the of all the things in his week, and he was a Talmud of hundreds of Talmudim, a person who took every every ounce, every every moment of Torah, he, every moment he had, he used for Torah. 
And the most special time that he looked forward to all week was when he would go to Bnei Brak to hear a shear by someone that he considered his rabbi, Rav Elia, Rav, uh, Rav Elia Weintraub. And that was, his wife said that it was the most precious time to him all week. That was so inspiring to me, a person... When he went like, from being a rabbi to a Talmud. He never stopped being a Talmud. He never, never stopped being a Talmud. I, and I, that's I, the key. And that's the key. I think so. Amazing, amazing. Rabbi Shabtai. Can we hear you, Rabbi Shabtai? Can you hear me? We yeah. can hear you. Can okay, you hear the, me? Great, the great Manal of the Yeshiva of South Florida, Rabbi Shabtai. Rabbi Shabtai, so, you know, Rabbi Brody asked me before we began the, the conversations, you know, tell the background. How did the Yeshiva start? So you, from almost its inception, you know, as the Manal, really the first, I think, person who came on board from the Hanhala, from the, from the rabbinical staff, what are the miracles that you've seen? What does it take for a Yeshiva to go from like a thought and a dream in, in, in minds to actually in action? Having a campus and a base medrash and talmidim and a kolel and and shirim and coordinating college for those who want that. H- have you seen miracles have to happen for it to come together? It takes a rabbi shabtai. It takes a rabbi yeah. shabtai. That's what it takes. Shabtai is the miracle. I'll tell you, like you hear stories, you read books about like people talking about miracles. I don't know. I'm a very critical person. You hear miracles, but like you make sense out of them. The things we saw with our eyes that happened that did not make any sense. Uh, just so many of them. Um, it just, it was phenomenal. But I want to go back for a second. I heard before you were talking about Rabbi Asformis, and I know that uh, he's going to be buried uh, in another few hours. There's one thing he said that was so phenomenal. Um, he was just, it was such an incredible meeting. The fact that we met with him, the fact that he agreed to contribute, like every part of that was just incredible. But one thing that was clear about that man was that he could not care less what anyone in the world thought of him. Not at all. And he made that very clear. Like, if it wasn't clear to you, he made very clear. He could not care less of anybody. And the, the phrase he kept on saying, which I think is now, right now, 9.37 Eastern Standard Time is so timely. He's being buried in, in whatever, two hours. He kept on saying, I'm going to have to meet my creator. The moment when I meet my creator. Did. And that That's was great. like, like his driving force for like everything. The fact that we, we met this man, it didn't make any sense. The fact that this man just agreed to like be involved in our yeshiva. It's such a mm. passion, such a drive. It was so... we. I've, aside from the fantastic things that have happened and all the incredible people who've been involved and also the anonymous donor that you mentioned who's just in a diff- another world, the fact that we meet these people, for me personally, the fact that each one of these Rebbeim has agreed to like come on, you saw Rebbe Levin, Rebbe Stoll, you can't even imagine Rebbe Stoll, what do you, like, Rebbe Stoll, when he was in Yeshiva years ago, it, you talk about like being a force and a fire now, so sometimes when I think you see a force and a fire of people, they're very extroverted. They, they like talking to people, they like having a hush on people. If you would have seen him and he was in Kola, he had Ashban people. He was so driven, though, so focused on his learning. I don't remember any other married guy. He's in the base measure so late. Um, and that for that person with that Hasmada and that intensity to then bring all his kochos in terms of having an influence on Katashiba High School and the our yeshiva and the broader South Florida community, like each one of these people, yeah, meeting miracle. these people and them agreeing to get involved is its own miracle. Right? Levin yeah. coming is a miracle. So, so, Rashad, so you're, you're, you're being, typically of you, you're being humble and modest and redirecting. But the truth is that we have the dream team. The yeshiva has the dream team in its first year, in its, in, in, its inception, inaugural year. To have such a dream team is amazing. And I do remember that with Rabbi Asformas. He, he did. He talked about all these gedolim he knew. And he talked about not only his closeness, he talked about shared stories of when he pushed back on, on many of them. And, and each time he would end by saying, look, I've got work to do. 
Because Baruch Hu put me in this world, he gave me resources, and I will have to meet my creator. I will have to answer for it. And so it doesn't matter if this one will be upset or that one. 100% you're right. That notion of meeting his creator, and I'm sure he's being greeted with, with open arms um, for all that he had done by that by that creator. Rabbi Shabtai, coming back to you. So we've seen miracles in the yeah. way in the way that it started. Maybe talk, if you can share a little bit about some of the coordination of the yeshiva. Obviously, you're a Torah influence in the yeshiva as well as the Manahel, but also coordinating an enormous amount. What's the connection from, from the beginning? We knew that the, the boys that we were going after would not only want a intense place and, and warm rebellion and the highest level of Torah learning, but many most would also want to be pursuing a college degree. And certainly while we had explored and were open to different options and opportunities, um, we, we have a partnership today with Torah University. Maybe you could talk about that. Yeah, I think I'll just give a backdrop to that, meaning how we got to that point. Uh, at Boca Raton Synagogue, we've had for the last 10 years a summer kolel, where we have guys, 20, 25 guys come for the for a month and learn. We've had a 11 Rosh kolel and a Stolbier Rosh kolel. And we've seen guys had, I, I felt actually in, in the, many years ago, I was in LA, why you had an LA summer kolel, that I felt as if it was at a transformative impact on me. And I found through these summers that the guys that were coming to us, it was having a tremendous impact on them also. So I had a sense for the type of guy that I think was receptive to the types of rebellion that we were collecting together. I think the types of people that would be inspired and influenced by a community like uh, Book Raton, like somebody like yourself as well, meaning once you start putting the pieces together, who are the types of people that will do best and thrive best? And this is the place and these are the rebellion for them. So then like that, that started coming together in terms of the type of person that we're going for. I got, we're open for everybody, but in general, we're creating this niche, this, this uh, niche in the yeshiva market that we think is missing. That's kind of where it was coming from. Um, and to that extent, we pursued a partnership with Tarot. Um, at first, it was like a little bit random, like, who are you? Why are you reaching out to us? Um, but then I think when uh, Ray Goldberg in particular persuasively presented um, kind of what we're trying to accomplish, um, I think they really, they really saw and they've been fantastic in being flexible, in changing around their schedule and really respecting what we're trying to accomplish in the yeshiva and thereby tailoring their classes and the schedule to allow the boys to thrive in the yeshiva and to thrive in the college as well. And we're very appreciative to their partnership. So maybe in 20 seconds, what's a typical day? What's the what's schedule like at the yeshiva of South Florida? It's a little intense. Uh, Shacharis is 7.30. Uh, after Shacharis, they have halacha seder, breakfast, maybe a little bit of ping pong. Uh, then morning seder goes from 9.10 to 12. Sheer from 12 to 12.45. Then guys have a break, 12.45 till on a normal day, 2.15. Uh, Tuesdays have a little bit bro- longer break. Um, but then till 2.15, 2.15 we have Mincha. Then there's Musr Chaburas and a Musr Shmu sometimes. And then 3 to 5.25, roughly a second Seder. For the average guy, 9 out of the 13 are doing college. At 5.25 they break, that's after they're doing Bikias. And they have dinner. And then college starts at 5.55 and goes until 8.10. It's like a double class that's split up with a break in between. And then we have Night Seder officially uh, getting going already at 8.30. And guys have chavrusa starting at 8.30, and then at 9.30, there are different uh, chavuras and different optional things that different guys partake of. And the night seder goes till 10, 10 o'clock Ma'ariv, and when Rabbi Stoll's in town, uh, it's a few nights a week when Rabbi Stoll uh, stays in, and uh, he also stays very late, and has tremendous mysterious nefesh himself and his wife and his family coming back at ridiculous hours at night. Um, but then eventually, they go to sleep. But most guys, let's say, have 10 o'clock Ma'ariv, and then that's officially when the night's over. So three star a day, three and 10 star a day. Uh, it, the, some of the many, most of them do college. College is compact, sort of between the starum, but it's a, a legit, rigorous, and a, and a thorough degree. Not online, but a an offline degree. 
And uh, but three storm, three intense storm. A day. Allow me to clarify just on that point for one second, just because some people had a misconception. The guys take um, one class, one double class every single day. So four days a week, they're actually taking 12 college credits uh, throughout the week, which they're already full time students. And in theory, they're able to take other optional courses uh, as well. So uh, that we class. More, uh, something more rebellion to bring in. So I, even though we could talk to each for forever, but yeah, um, so wind us out with um, Hey Teves. You probably are unfamiliar, but on the Lubavitch calendar, it's a date that we buy Svarim. What's the first of all? Tell us about the Svarim that you've written, and tell us about what is the most recent Sefer that you've purchased. Um, I, I have a, a fetish for Svarim. I have to admit. So I the I just get whatever comes my way. I love Svarim. Um, so I'm learning Subis right now. So if I find something on Subis, I buy it. Hanukkah was just now. I, I got the uh, Rav Yonis and David. I I, I like uh, the Pachy Gitzchak, Yonis and David, that type of Torah. Um, I, you, you name it, I love it. And my Rebbe, I'll finish with this, I guess. My Rebbe, Ramosha Stav, um, he, I literally just, whatever he, I, I try to follow him in basically anything he does. So, Rav Stav, yeah, he, he, knew, he knows Kol Terakula. That's the one way I'm not following him, unfortunately, but I'm trying. The uh, But he, he walks around the base medrash and just like picks up Svarim, just because he's interested, he like he eats it like candy. Uh, so I, I I don't know if I have even an ounce of that, but he just loves Svarim. So in terms of what I, you name it, I, I I love it. And what about your Svarim? Torah Sakavod, deeper look at Sefer Yeshua, Otsar Asimcha. Tell us about your Svarim for two seconds. Make sure to learn Shas, learn the Rambam, learn the Mishnah Bura, like le- learn the Karim, and uh, you know you'll become a great Yid. Rabbi Brody, you're gonna start. You're gonna start the daily learning of Rabbi Rafi Stolz Farm. Let me ask a question: Is anything in the yeshiva open to the community? Are there are there uh, shirim or classes or or, or or times during the week which people in the community can stop in? Absolutely. So first of all, the base manager is open in general. We have community members dropping in. Um, we're not actively like bringing people in, but people that come in and that ask about it, we're happy for them to come in uh, for davening, for shachar, Mariv, for different morning seder, afternoon seder. We actually have a few working men that actually learn morning seder with us every single day. It's very really? inspiring. At night, different people drop in. And then there's shiurim also. In particular, Rabbi Levin's Tuesday night Hasidus Chabura draws in some people from the community. Um, but different nights, we have different uh, different shiurim, different chaburas. And January 2nd, I don't know if this is where you're going with that, but January 2nd, we're having a special uh, Yomi Yun uh, it's a national holiday. People are off, and we'll have shirim from Rabbi Goldberg, Rabbi Levin, Rabbi Rosenfeld. A uh, very special program with breakfast served. Thank you, Rabbi Brody. That, that is a good segue. But we also, it's important to mention, our kolal joins the BRS Erev Shabbos kolal every Friday morning. And uh, Rabbi um, Carmeli gives a shirim panimia satora at the shul, and others give uh, chaburs or Rosenfeld. There's a lot of interaction. But the yeshiva is not set up as a community kolal, who that's its purpose. It's a standalone, primarily yeshiva for its talmidim, but then also is taking its energy and its light and sharing it more broadly. Could speak to each of you for, for hours, and this is so hard. We'll have to continue and do and do part two, a big Yashikoach and a kolakavod, and a thank you for, for what the two of you are both doing, and so deeply, deeply uh, appreciative of everything that you're doing. Kosh should continue to give you kochos to be on fire, to be contagious, to be inspiring, to be lighting, to be publishing, to be doing all the wonderful things that you're doing. Amen. Thank you. Oh, now we have the privilege of welcoming to uh, more of our incredible, incredible Rebbeim, Rabbi Yitzchak Rosenfeld, Rabbi Yaakov Steinmetz, 
Rebbe Magid Shiraman, our yeshiva, Rosh Masifta. It's wonderful. Thank you for going behind the beam with us. Thank you for having us. Very excited to be here. Amazing, amazing to have you together. So where should we start? Let's start with uh, the Kolo. Rabbi Rosenfeld, tell us a little bit about your background and where you were before you became the Rish Kolo of the Yeshiva of South Florida and why why take that both of you, Rabbi Steinmetz, also. Big risk. You gave notice, you packed up your stuff, you gave up your home, and you came to Florida for a pipe dream. What made it worth the risk? Florida is beautiful. <laughs> um, yes, I, I grew up in, uh, in Westchester, in Scarsdale. Um, and yeah, Scarsdale. We have uh, Mahatanam. Jake right. Manis. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, I saw him in Boca a couple weeks ago. Um, right. I grew up in Scarsdale. Uh, the last few years, I was uh, reading in Landers. Uh, I'm a Tom of Rebbe Sachs. So uh, I ended up there. Uh, and honestly, I came here mostly because uh, very good friends with uh, Rabbi Steinmetz here. Um, but honestly, it was so exciting to be able to start something new, to be part of something growing from the beginning. Uh, I love being in yeshiva. I love seeing Bachrim grow and learn and be happy and really just love being part of yeshiva. Seeing people learning and growing is really just an unbelievable source. And the opportunity to do it here in such an unbelievable community, welcoming people who are really thirsty for learning and for more involvement of Torah was an unbelievable opportunity. I really could not pass up. Uh, and it's true it was a risk, but honestly, I had confidence in Rabbi Goldberg <laughs> that you know failure was not an option. So I figured we would uh, give it a shot. You know, worst case scenario, I've been in Boca for a couple of years. You know, <laughs> there could be worse things. So Baruch uh, Hashem. Really, things have been unbelievable. And being part of the Kolo and being able to sit with Bnei Torah who are advanced in learning and being able to be part of the, part of the Kolo, you know, I, I learned both starting with one of the members of the Kolo is uh, an opportunity that is really beyond the, really a dream, really a dream. We're so, we're so lucky that you took that risk and that you're here, Rabbi, Rabbi Steinmetz. How important is it to you when you think about our Bachram, our inaugural first year, the, the boys, the, the students, the Bachram are here, they come from diverse yeshivas, to a certain degree diverse even backgrounds, which is really for me personally, but it's part of a dream of a yeshiva that Torah unites and Torah is that shared vocabulary and connection. How important is that to you that it can be a place that diverse people can feel comfortable? There isn't like hashkafic hak and debate and fight and like dug in on things. It's just, it's a place of Torah. I, I couldn't agree more. I think definitely we've come, you know, I'm from West Thompson, New York, more, as you said, hate the term modern orthodox background, but I've undergone a transformation. We've all undergone transformations, and we appreciate the spectrum, and we appreciate what each particular chalik of Yiddishkeit has to offer. So to come to a place where all of those externals are, you know, sort of culled away, and everyone is just there to, as sincere over the Hashem looking to grow, to develop themselves, there's nothing more pure and, and sincere than that. And it's such a close to participate in that and to facilitate that. So, Mr. Steinmetz, what's, what's your dream? What's your vision? The, the Bahram, you know, as, as a Rebbe, they're still a very formidable age. They've, they've been in Israel a year, two years. Certainly, they were impacted enormously from that. But now they're already beginning to think. Some are in college. They're going to start to think about getting married and building their own home. What's the hope and the dream for, for your Talmidim when you will see them in five and ten years from now? It's a great question. I think uh, there are many different spheres of, of life. There's the family sphere, there's the religious sphere, and the professional sphere. 
I think that each one of them should be in a position of where they take a responsibility for their role in their family, for their avodas Hashem, for their professional life. They they are mature adults that take their role seriously, and they take life seriously. But again, with a with a certain simcha sachayim, I think definitely part of the atmosphere of trying to engender within the yeshiva is one very much a simcha, a light atmosphere. We, we always make jokes where the talmidim we, we have a wonderful time kiddush and Shabbos morning. You should come and maybe skip the drasha one week. We have delicious herring, and it's just the rebellion, the coal, and the bachim sitting around having a beautiful time, sharing the Torah, just laughing. It's it's such a beautiful atmosphere. So to someone to take that into life, where Avodah Hashem, family, the professional life are things that they take seriously, but they find joy in, is such an incredible thing that we're trying to make. And Rabbi Roosevelt for the kolel, they're at a different stage of life. So um, obviously they're there to learn and to be taught Torah at the highest level, but there's still a hashpah, there's still an influence as even though they're married and have families, beginning families, what's the dream of the influence, not only on the knowledge and information of Torah, but beyond that? Yeah, I think the very similar to what I was saying for the Bachar, but obviously on a different stage of life, but just to see them be so connected to Torah on the one hand and be so into what they're doing that they're able to then begin to be mashpia on the Bachar in the yeshiva and also on the community at large, you know, giving them the opportunity to really connect to learning and to Torah in a deep way and find their own way about you know, what they're interested in in Torah and what they find is their chilek in Torah. And then to begin to start spreading that in a natural and healthy way to not only to their families, but to the Bachram in the yeshiva and to the community at large. You know, seeing them being involved, learning with, the, with some of the Balabatim and just really being involved in the whole community is... Uh, it's an opportunity for them to continue their own personal development, but also to give them an opportunity to start being mashbi on their families as their families grow and be mashbi on our yeshiva and at the community, in the community at large. And I think we've seen that already. Such talented, uh, really, they're, they're an unbelievable group. It's really Absolutely, uh, for sure. Rabbi Brody, you want to jump? I, I, I actually know all these answers. I know many of the answers. I know the people. You should jump in. This Whenever is incredible. No, this is incredible. I'm just wondering, do you do you uh, have to go right now and, and start already recruit for the next year? And let's say someone's listening to this and they say, well, I, I didn't really know much about this yeshiva. How do, I, how do I get more information? How do I find out if there's even a space for me for the coming year? So I think the answer, as most answers to yeshiva so far, lies with Rabbi Simcha Shabtai. He is the source of all information. But, uh, but yeah, Rabbi Levin and Rabbi Shabtai actually already went to Eretz Yisrael, round one, planting the seeds. You know, raising excitement, getting word around, and business friendly number eleven or my chapter. We go back in a month or two and try to you know zone in more on particular yeshivas, recruit particular boys, and definitely anyone who's interested. I think rss at yosf.org, or uh, you can email Rabbi Goldberg. I'm not sure exactly what the process is. But, I just forwarded to Rabbi Shabtai. It's no problem. Yeah, and, and I'm just wondering. You you mentioned before there was there was a consideration. We go over mentioned this at the beginning of the show. There's consideration of what kind of yeshiva it would be. What is the profile now of the student? Like, who is the student that you are looking for that you would hope to, you know, would, would start applying and, and and begin to begin their journey in the yeshiva? Uh, I think anybody who's really interested in in learning and in growing in a very healthy and wholesome way. One thing that I think our yeshiva is unbelievable at is it's a really wholesome environment. It's, the Rebbeim are around 
there are co-members who are there for you. And the warm, small environment really provides, it's tremendously wholesome. The boys are involved in every aspect of the yeshiva. You know, one guy makes the chalent for the Thursday night. One guy makes the potato kugel. It kugels in the oven right now. I don't know if you could smell <laughs> you can't it. can't smell it. They don't have that technology yet. But, uh, We're coming over. But they, <laughs> they are part of the, the whole yeshiva. And you know, one thing that I, I remember just being, as being part of big institutions, so you become very focused on your own personal growth, and you sometimes are not involved in something bigger, not building something together. But Ari Shuga, because of the, because we're at the beginning and we're really here for the Bachrim, they're involved in something, starting something together. They, it's a really wholesome environment and they're able to grow in an incredibly healthy way. Uh, so that's just, if someone's interested in learning and growing and becoming their own, their own Ben Torah, as Aristotle mentioned, you know, we, we look for each Bachar, I think it was Rabbi Levin mentioned, you know, we look for each Bachar something unique for them. Uh, it's a really healthy way to continue growing and learning and becoming a real Ventura. That's important to say that the yeshiva itself is not looking to replace or close down or cancel any other yeshivas. There's incredible yeshivas. We are all Mismachim graduates, our Rebbeim, the yeshivas that we deeply appreciate and continue to support and connect with and learn from and that are our reckoned enrollment. Nobody's trying to. But for someone, this is small, intense, immersive. It's out of town, so to say, so that someone doesn't necessarily have the distractions and the competition for their time, for their attention. So it's really a continuation of, 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 a, of a boy who did extremely well in Israel in discovering himself and a yearning and a, and a taste for learning to continue in this immersive experience with a dormitory in the same campus where it's based Medrash and the workout room and ping pong table and outdoor courtyard are, uh, but immersive and Rebbeim accessible all hours of the day and the night and connection and closeness and the color guys. It's, it's another option. It's another option, a smaller option with college for those who want the college component of it. And it's, uh, it's filling that niche, which right. really beautifully that seems to be needed. So close us out. Uh, wonderful Rebbeim, Rebbe Roosevelt, Rebbe Steinmetz. Hey, Teves, what is your most recent or most beloved safer that you own? Um, I think I recently purchased a in Tuz Farm. One was a uh, safe from Rabbi Ruben Leuchter on Tefila. Uh, Rabbi Leuchter, I got very into him <laughs> the last couple of years. And uh, an amazing safer called Mincha uh, Shlema on Mesechus Tura. So that's just a little hobby of mine. Yeah. Oh, bro, do you have that on your night table? Yeah, Tamura. It's it's coming up right after I finish the kitzer. It's coming up Tamura. Everybody, Steinmetz. What, what about you? I hope this isn't a cop out, but I recently got Otsar Achachma, so I think I've got around hundred thousand Tzarim. When he moves to Florida, you don't have access to big libraries. But uh, I, I, I recently bought the Kloisenberger Rebbe biography for my wife. So and then that's a it's a different type of safer, but it's a, it's a tremendous safer. The serious nefesh and focus in times of hardship. Wow. Amazing. Beautiful. We thank you for all that you do for the yeshiva, for Klal Yisrael, and for bringing your talents to South Florida. Made the, you took a risk, and hopefully it's it's paying off the reward and should continue to pay off rewards in this world and, and the future for many years. So big yeshikoch. Thank you. We have the uh, privilege now of welcoming on two of our Kolo guys, Rabbi David Bogopolsky, Hamachuna Bugsy, and Rabbi Shlomo Carmeli. It's wonderful to have you on. We're going to be uh, speaking to members of the Kolel. And uh, the Kolel is a huge part of our yeshiva. The energy, the example, the learning, the knowledge, 
and and not only for the yeshiva for the boys of the yeshiva but outwards towards towards everyone else so it's one of Rabbi Carmelo, you just came from giving your Chabura at BRS, Primus Satora on Wednesday nights. Rabbi Bogopolsky is a fixture on Friday mornings, and Shabbos Kolo, and so much more. Both of you, to talk about where you come from, both your own biography, but in learning where you come from, because I think the Kolo, even more than the guys in the yeshiva, really represents a lot of diversity, come from a lot of different Kololim and yeshivas, and I think it's one of the things that excites me the most. I don't want to spoil my, my drusha, maybe the Shabbos, Al Tirgazu Badarach, but the notion of not getting angry about someone else's derech, finding your own derech, and the, the beauty of our yeshiva, bit, you can feel comfortable from diverse places. So right. I think Rabbi Bogopolsky is older. So Rabbi Bogopolsky, Bugsy, we allowed to call you Bugsy? Absolutely, 100%. Is Rabbi Bogopolsky from San Diego? That's my father. That's, That's your right. father. Did a seed program in your shul. Just, seriously? Yeah, back in... Two, 1902. 1990, 1998. Was actually, when, you were, when, you were in, when you were in Nerys Rome? Yeah. With Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Bogopolsky, were you in diapers? Were you in diapers then? I was six years old. I was probably on your shoulders, Rabbi Brody. You probably were. So it's actually really funny because it was the year after we got married. So I told Simone, we're gonna, I got a great thing. We're going to be going to L.A. for a honeymoon. <laughs> Go to San Diego. <laughs> a week-long seed program. She, she's still waiting for that honeymoon. She's still waiting. <laughs> All right, Rabbi, Rabbi Bogopolsky, so now... Okay, Talk so as you know, as we, as the cat's out of the bag, I'm originally from San Diego, California, but recently I, I spent the last 12 years of my life living in Eretz Israel. I was there in Taurus Moshe. Rabbi Brody, I believe you're also That's in right. for a short man. From, I recently from heard. Rev, Rev uh, Shurkin. That's right. We can talk about him also. So um, I was in, I was in Taurus Moshe as a buffer for four years. Then I went to Lakewood, BMG, for a, a short two zmanim. Got married, Baruch Hashem, pretty quickly. And I, I got I came back to Eretz and I learned for... Eight years in Taras Moshe, and I oh, wow. uh, taught night seder in Or Yushalayim. I gave a bikish year for the last three years of my time over there. So what made you give it up? You had a good thing going. Ramana Shkol, Rabbi Weinfeld, Paran, Ice Coffee, also all the learning and all that other stuff. What, what made you give it up? The palm trees of Boca. It was a dreadful decision. It was very tough, but uh, it was hard, very hard, really. But uh, my wife and I, we were, we were deciding we had to make that, we had to make the call. Are we gonna? Are we in it for the long haul? Or we? Or, or we're moving back? We had so we had to decide. And we decided for our family, our children. It was uh, it was the right thing to do. I spoke to my Bam, and they were they were very encouraging to come to the United States. And then this opportunity came up, and uh, what better opportunity than starting a new yeshiva? Ground up, your input counts. It's amazing. You get to keep learning, making an impact on Bakram. Was a no brainer. And that was that was important to you. Meaning you didn't jump into Rabbanus or Chinuch, or you wanted to continue learning. So to be part of a kolal was. At, at certain points of my career, I, I, I was thinking about which uh, clay kodesh um, position I think I guess you can call it I, I would go into. So I originally started with rabbanus, and then you know my father's like, no. <laughs> so so then I you know, and then I, I found that I you know I had kind of a kayak with Bachrim, you know, in Or Yerushalayim. I was doing uh, doing good things over there. So once this came up, I was happy to continue, you know, only to get better at being a rebbe and, and things like that. Amazing. Well, we're lucky to have you, and it's great that we have you. Rabbi Carmeli, talk to us about where you're from, your background, what you were doing before you joined Arcola. So I grew up in Woodmere, New York. Um, I learned in Yeshua Dakitoyo for pretty much my whole life, from nursery till uh, I graduated. And then afterwards, I went to Eretz Yisrael, learned by Benjamin Raskowitz in Medrash Shmuel. Um, and then I came back to the Warmaker, who is a mutual Rebbe, um, opened up a kolo for a year called Imakamelech, 
So he called me when I was learning Shmuel and asked if I would like to join. So I came as a bacher. Uh, Rabbi Yossi Zakatinsky was there. Rabbi Rubenstein, Rabbi Levin was there. It was a great group of, uh, obviously, tremendous. It was a big success for me to be there. And then I got married. I then moved to Israel and I learned Rabbi Yitzhak Berkowitz, Shrita, who uh, you have uh, whoever had the opportunity to meet with. Me. And um, yeah, I was there for three years. I got to meet by him. And uh, yeah, that's where I am now. Amazing. And what made you want to come down here? What what made you take that leap? So, Berkowitz, you know, as you know, very much, he's very idealistic and he pushes a lot of his mismachim to uh, go out of town and try to make an impact on communities, smaller communities. Realistically, my wife and I are both from five towns. So I think Boca is the most out of town you're going to get from two people coming from uh, five towns. <laughs> and I can, we're not going to push it much further than that. But um, so that was like, you know, idealistic enough for us um, coming from their Berkowitz angle. And of course, at 11, I grew up, you know, for the past uh, six, seven years that we, you know, diving next to each other in British. So when he, Starting the yeshiva, we had a little bit early access into you know what was going on, the talks and things. So uh, we were schmoozing about it, and then he thought it would be a good idea. So worked out by Shabta, and that was it. And uh, we're all in. Were you? Uh, I'll ask both of you. Were you concerned with whether the kolal would gel? Right. So Rebberkowitz's kolal, right. Tomo. We have people who came out of YU land. It's a big mix of where guys are from. Was there concern? You know, guys come from different backgrounds. They've been learning in different places. Will it gel? And have you been? pleasantly surprised are you happy to see that it is gelling and i don't know what you're going to answer this because i didn't tell you that in advance that question uh, uh, i'll let you go first play the breaking news I, uh I, I think it, it gelled more than i could even imagine it i think when it's really you know when, when you're focused on a single thing we know we're focused on our learning and, and stagging and growing together and the yeshiva you know it's a bigger picture and we sort of all, all those things sort of fall away and you're all united, you know, in this mission of growing and learning and building the yeshiva. And it's really unbelievable, like how close we all are, you know, considering our very different backgrounds, as you mentioned. I, I agree to what Roshoma Kamerli just said, uh, but it happens to be, I'm going to say that before I did come, I was definitely concerned. All I knew was a face and a bio of everyone. And uh, and I knew Rabbi Kamerli just from, just from seeing him on Yamsuf as he's going to visions every morning. And I was very, very curious who this guy was that I was going to go uh, hang out with. I opted into my wife, so I got, I got a. Yeah, that's true, also. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, but really, as I really said, it, it really, it really gelled amazing, really. And it's such a, it's such a good vibe. It's really good. What um, the balance between your own personal learning and to be in a kola that's in a yeshiva in its first year, the responsibility or the opportunity, I should say. To, to have a hashpat, have an influence on on the bacham. What? How does that play itself out? You have chavrusas with the boys in the yeshiva. Is it just that you're there to talk, to schmooze things out, to have them over? What's the interplay between the kolal and the and the guys in the yeshiva? So I happen to be I happen to be the shalmeisha for the second seder. So hmm. I have I don't have a chavrusa then. So I'm very much involved with the boys, constantly circulating the uh, mishmadrish, engaging with everyone. Um, we have them over for Sudas. Um, I'm having Bakram this week, which is actually it's a, it a very nice thing. As we were leaving Eretz Israel, it's very nice to have Bakram because, like, they keep you young. It's just geschmack. Mm. And the fact that we can we can continue that over here, it's like amazing. Like in Boca Raton, you can have Bakram over. It's really amazing. Um, and in terms of our own personal growth, uh, Baruch Hashem, I was able to be in Kyle for a long, long time. So 
I'm it, it, it's it's um, I'm happy now that to even to juggle that balance at least to not only have to focus on my own personal learning but uh, you know to continue learning with Buckerman and making an impact on them. It's really it's a perfect balance for me at least in terms of where I'm holding uh, my age and where I want to be. Rabbi Carmeli, and right, we should point out Rabbi Carmeli's brother is one of the Buckram in the yeshiva. So, but talk to us about that that relationship. Not you and your brother. That you don't have to share publicly right now, but uh, but with the boys in the yeshiva. Um, yeah, so he yeah Yosef loves it. Yosef's really happy with it. If you notice the string lights, by eleven, you know when he was talking on the chutzer, Yosef put that up. He's very invested in the yeshiva, and um, he loves it there. My 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 hadrocha for my Bayim is very much like the Vilna Gun's idea of hashpa, where you know you have the cup of avdala that pours over, and you know when one's working on one's inner mishkan, then Mamela becomes a place where people are inspired from. So I don't we're a part of the yeshiva, but we're very obviously focused on our limud and our learning, and I think that Mamela that has a tremendous you know impact on the bachrim. Uh, when you know we're obviously we're always there for them and Baruch Hashem there's so many, the the ratio you know kolal staff to bacher ratio is uh, the high you know the most uh, in any yeshiva probably currently which is so important because Torah is meant to be given over in that way if you know Rebbe to Talmud in that very close way and uh, you know even if we're, we we do learn with them we learn most say there every day we have a kviyas the kolal guys learn with the, with the bacherim. But I just think being around, uh, you know, B'nai Torah that have been in yeshiva for a while and are living a life and they come to the houses, like Rebbe Kowalski said, and they see how, you know, a Torah family looks like and how they're monitoring their home and how they have a Shabbos who the, that in of itself, just when you're, when you're, when you're growing yourself and you're, you know, staging in that way, they connect to that. And, and that, I, you know, in my life, I had people like that, that I just grew just by being around them. Right. It's amazing. Brody, what, what do you want to what yeah, do you want to find no, out just, from our incredible yeah, call? I'm, I'm just wondering, you guys have been in so many different yeshivas all over the world. What makes being in Boca so different and so special? Um it's very warm in every in every sense of the word you know, word. Uh, I wear Becca Shon Shabbos and when I joined the community in August, it was uh Quite an experience to say, uh, yeah. say the least. But it's a very warm community. It's in that sense different than where I'm from. You know, there's not a lot of, you know, from look, you know, Yidden in terms, you know, because it's so massive. There's just so many developments wherever you drive, everywhere. It's such a. It takes very quick to get there because there's no cops in Florida and everyone's driving at 80 miles per hour. But everything's very far from each other. And you're driving by these developments and houses, and there's just a lot of people, and many of them are not. I grew up like in a shtetl, like almost, you know, five times is like, you know, in a certain sense, like you, you, you can't, if you wanted to not see people that, you know, you couldn't do it, you, it wouldn't work. You, you have to living your life there. You're going to bump into people. Right. Hopefully you could, you know, mamish disappear and like, no, no one would know. And it's so amazing how again, the communities here have built such a beautiful, you know, oasis of, of Yiddishkeit in a, in a, in a, in a place that's, you know, so different than, uh, you know, what we have, you know, what we're living for in the values that we have. And that for me was like such a difference, you know, such an amazing difference to me. I remember my first Shabbos, I was walking in the, in the park, you know, there's like a shortcut and you saw all the, these, you know, uh, you know, different types of people, you know, and different, uh, different, different types of activities that, you know, I wasn't used to seeing on Shabbos, etc. And I was just so amazed that like, there's a 
thriving from amazing, you know, inspired community in, in the heart of South Florida. It was really... Right, Brody, you got to recruit Rabbi Carmeli to be doing outreach. There's like 140,000 Jews in Boca Raton, 90% of whom are not affiliated at all. It's what you're describing. Right. And that's a crisis that's going on, a catastrophe that's going on. And we need, we need, we need an army out there showing them the beauty, the passion that you and that what the yeshiva stands for. So it's, uh, it's definitely for you startling, but it's also a, a rich opportunity. Yeah, I looked at it more than a It's like, wow, like, we're really that. here. So, like, we're doing, we're, you know, we're, 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 when we're polite, like it makes a difference. You know, we're doing something nice. Like it makes a big difference. With many people who haven't necessarily seen it from looking, you know, a color guy before, you know. We're doing something. What was it like for your family to move here? But Carmeli, what's your wife doing? My wife teaches in Hadar. She's an amazing high school that is I know, associated with the, with BRS. And uh, Baruch Hashem, she's very happy there. She's also a social worker. She teaches, she counsels in uh, Hollywood in a place called Yicholet. Um, so Baruch Hashem, she's, she's busy. And uh, yeah, I have one daughter, Baruch Hashem. And um, her Ganenet, her, you know, is, is Israeli. So I, I'm not even sure if she realized she left. You know, <laughs> the last one. So... <laughs> Rabbi your family's happy. They've acclimated. Big change, Israel, all those years. Yeah, Baruch Hashem. The, the, the one concern everyone has is what, what's going to be with the kids. But they they, they slid right in. My, my, unfortunately, my daughter doesn't want to speak Hebrew anymore, which, okay. <laughs> we have to figure that out. You know, in Boca, there's plenty of uh, Israelis to talk Hebrew to. I go to one of the many shawarma places every day for lunch. <laughs> or plenty of Hebrew yeah. to be spoken. Yeah. So, uh, but no, Baruch Hashem, everything... Could not have asked for an easier transition. Amazing. Let me let me close out, and then we we have uh, one more set of guests. Our other other three uh, members of the Kolo, and the last member of the Kol Bar Hashem just had a baby, so I was unable to join us tonight. We wish him a big Mazel Tov to Rabbi Marcus. A big big Mazel Tov, a big Simcha, a big Simcha coming up. Shalom Zacher and Bris. But I'm going to ask the the next three the same. I'll ask the two of you to close us out. You're in the Kolo stage. You're a little bit later on than the Bachram, than the boys in the yeshiva. If you could talk to the 19, 20-year-old version of yourself, knowing what you know now, what would you mm -hmm. tell yourself, right? If you could talk to you going into this level, Yeshiva South Florida, what would you tell yourself, Rabbi Bogopolsky? So it happens to be, I, I, I have to admit, I have not had a huge transformation in the past 12 years of my life, you know, but I will well, I will tell you, Being that being said, seeing the, the, the process and how, you know, if you even if you don't make such a major transformation in your life, if you keep at what you're doing, if you keep doing the same thing, you know, you don't want to spread yourself too thin and every two weeks feel like you need that new limud in your life in order to, to steig more. Stick to the basics. And if you do the basics consistently long enough, you'll be, you'll become a tamakacham. It's going to work out. You don't need yeah, that, Brody? Yeah, you know, I just think back to what Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Friend would tell us all the time. He would say, listen, just... Enjoy and take advantage of every moment because it doesn't make it if you're here for a year or five years. It's going to end at some point. And before you know it, you're going to miss this place. So just just make make take advantage of every moment. Although I would say, and I'm sorry to interrupt to interview Rabbi Brody, who might be the most on fire Talmud in Boca Raton right now. But, but Brody, I think you're a great example that um, you don't have to be that age, right? Because you've had this resurgence of total resurgence. learning and love. Maybe more than you've ever had before of, of a connection and a passion. And it's, something's coming back. I, I, again, I'm, thank God, and uh, I'm, I'm enjoying the, the new ride, let's just say. 
Something woke up inside yeah. you. So that, that's yeah. uh, Bugsy's uh, advice. Rabbi Carmeli, what would you tell a younger version of you? You kind of have a younger version of you because your brother's in the yeshiva. So what do you tell him? <laughs> Don't be like me. <laughs> that's funny. <Yeah. laughs> um, I, 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 you know, if I know my younger self well, I wouldn't listen to what my older self had to say. So I don't know how much, uh, you know, impact that would have, but I probably, but something along the line, there's some truth to that, you know, I've heard all say that, you know, take advantage every moment. And, and I guess just, it's one of those things in life that you don't realize how true it is. It just doesn't go in until you're saying that to the next you know, generation. Right. Yeah. Right. And then you just become that cliche and you're like, Oh, I wish, you know, don't I know what you got till it's gone. <laughs> right. But, right. That's it. You know, really just take advantage. I, I would say write notes. You know, time becomes, as life goes on, it's one of those things that time becomes more and more of a resource that as an offer, it's uh, take it for granted. Um, and if you write notes and organize with your Lamudim, you'll, you won't have to, uh, you know, go back to Ksubis and say, oh, you know, what was this? <laughs> what did I do here? You know, seven years ago, what, what was in the last time I was in there? Well, we're so we're so grateful that both of you ended up in Boca, and uh, for all that you do for the yeshiva. How'd you do in the ping pong tournament? You you both did okay. <laughs> I got knocked out the first round. First round of that. First round. We had a good game together, Bugsy. We had a good game. I mean, we were evenly matched. We'll put it that way. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> even we won't say at what level, but even at some level. Right. Uh, neither of you broke through to the finals. Well, we're we're, <laughs> we're grateful for all that you do for. For the community, the the hashpa, the influence that you're having beyond the yeshiva in the community, and, and that you brought your your talents and uh, should continue to grow and celebrate together. So big yeshikoach. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. All right, and to round us out, we've got three more members of the uh, of the kolo. I don't know how to put everyone on the bottom. I don't know how to organize this best. Let's see that. Does that work better? Okay. Rabbi Foreman can be an honorary host, I said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Promotion. So uh, we're very grateful to Rabbi Yohonatan Drury and Rabbi Gabriel Foreman, Rabbi Moshe Weiser. Thank you so much, members of our outstanding kolel. And each uh, different, different story, different background, different route to be able to get here. I'm going to take a route to figure out how the best it felt. <laughs> but um, Moshe, maybe we'll start with you because I think it's maybe the most unusual in the kolel this was not the track and the trajectory. This is an interruption to your life, which ironically maybe is the biggest model and inspiration for the guys in the yeshiva, somebody who already was a balabas, so to say, that next stage of life, and said, you know what, but I'm taking time off to go back to Kolo for a bit. So talk to us. Sure. I might come and join you. Join you. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Please do. Plenty of open spots over here in the yeshiva South Florida Kolo. Um, so what they're calling it is the Revlevin route. So um, I, I started and uh, I was in Yeshiva Tiv RA for a couple of years. And after that, I went to Yeshiva University and I was learning in Yeshiva Gdol Five Towns for a couple of years after that. And when I got married, I began working at PwC, which is a public accounting firm in Manhattan, um, as you might have already heard from Rev Levin. And, you know, we just didn't feel that we were we were ready to uh, I didn't feel I was personally ready to be a working man. I felt I, I still had a lot to work on. I felt I didn't. It wasn't my time to leave the base marriage. I wasn't happy with the situation. And we were really just waiting for the, the perfect opportunity to uh, to join the and go back to the base marriage and rejoin the closely base marriage. And when we saw the issue of South Florida was opening up, um, we were just super excited about the opportunity. My wife's from Florida, so that worked out perfectly for us. And it really, we haven't looked back since. It's It's really been an incredible experience. And honestly, personally for me, I'm not sure how much I've given to the yeshiva, but I can tell you that... Um, I've grown exponentially and I've taken so much just from the Bakr and from the Anhala and, and everyone involved. 
I think I think it's um, one of the focuses of the yeshiva, of every yeshiva, but of our yeshiva, is to not just be teaching the boys in the time that they're in the yeshiva, but to be doing so with an eye to the future. What what do you need to know and who do you need to be and what habits do you need to form to be that Ben Torah for life, even even beyond? That you don't, you know, graduate and then you take out a different stage and your years of growth are over. The tagline of the yeshiva is don't just continue learning, continue growing when you come back and come to Yeshiva of South Florida. So as I was saying before, I think having somebody who had moved on to that stage and now is back and learning, and Rabbi Shabtai mentioned, there are two other people who come learn every morning at the Yeshiva, which is amazing. There's a lawyer who works on California time, which means he doesn't start till the afternoon. He comes every morning and, and others. And what an example. So, you know, when, when people professionally are paid to be the example, that's not even as strong as the people who are interrupting their life and just valuing, which is amazing in its own right. Bajori representing the Sephardic influence at the Yeshiva of South Florida. Talk to us. Yes, um, I, I grew up in Brooklyn. Um, I went to KBY, and then I spent the last about 11 years in Washington Heights in YU. Um, and this is really very different. It's it's smaller. Everyone knows everyone's name, um, and it's it's incredible. I mean, like the uh, the environment is as as everyone has mentioned, but it, it's uplifting. We're all together. We're like mamish all together, um, and like uh, it's great for me personally. I'll say. I'm a little bit, I'm on the older end of the Kolo guys, I guess. And for me to have the opportunity to stay in learning, because after all, you know, yeshiva is an opportunity to learn at the highest level. And I wanted to be, continue doing that. And, and you know, because we're not done after just, you know, a few years, it's a lifelong mission. But at the same time, to be in a position to really give back and to be part of something where my role is, everyone's role is essential. It's just like, uh, it's a gishmak opportunity. I'll say it like it's that. Amazing. And I, I know I'm Sephardi. I do say Gishmak also. I've, <laughs> I've been in both uh, in all environments, I guess. It's great. A perfect blend. Rabbi Foreman's not a stranger because uh, recently we, we did a, what became very popular and, and a tremendous amount of feedback. Your family courageously, we had a panel discussion in a different context. But in this context, Rabbi Foreman, share a little bit about your background and how you ended up in the in the Yeshiva of South Florida Kolo. So I'm looking forward, uh, hopefully soon I'll get an individual interview on Behind the Bima to make it a trifecta. That's right. <laughs> right. Um, I grew up in, in Teaneck. Uh, I didn't realize that Rabbi Goldberg, you also grew up in Teaneck, but I wish you would have crossed paths earlier. Um, I went to Reishit for two years following high school. Um, I spent a post-Pesach Zman in YU and then switched to Lander College for Men, or mm. based Medrash Talmud. Um, and I spent the past five years learning there, pursuing a undergraduate degree in college, and then smicha and staying for kolel. Um, and how I made it here to uh, sunny Boca Raton, um, I actually came down here, I think, four years ago for the summer kolel that Rabbi Shabtai mentioned before. Right. Um, and I became an instant chassid of Rabbi Goldberg and of the Boca Raton community. Um, I fell in love with what was going on here. Um, I saw just a, a growth oriented and a tremendous trajectory towards growth in this community for Yiddishkeit, for Torah values. Um, I just was like very inspired by the thirst for, for Torah here. And um, I told my wife when, when we were dating and we were talking about where are we going to move. So I said, we're going to stay in Queens. You know, I'm in Landers. I don't plan on leaving anytime soon. I want to make it to Israel eventually. 
uh, the only other place that I'd move would be Boca Raton. And she kind of laughed and said, like, oh, Boca Raton, okay. Hilarious. And then um, I heard that the yeshiva was opening up. I actually was in touch with Rabbi Shabtai over the years since the summer kolal. Kept in touch with him to some extent. And I called him and uh, asked to join the kolal. Um, and there was positive response. And I went to my wife and I said, we're moving to Boca Raton. <laughs> and she said, you're crazy. Um, but we made it down here. And um, it's funny. I think, you know, you were mentioning before the, the influence that the kolel, you know, that uh, Rabbi Weiser brings to the yeshiva as being someone who's professional, had a professional experience in life and now is back in learning. I find for myself that um, I think in, in kolel, like there is a natural tendency to um, kind of fall into, into not necessarily great habits and like get used to the fact that you're learning every day and it, it can get a little stale a little bit hab habitual and rote um and i think when i dive in at a shul like Boca Raton synagogue um and i see professional people who wake up at like four in the morning to have their pre-shacharis learning seder and chavrusas and people who come in and are in scrubs in the middle of like performing surgery and they come have a chavrusa like in the middle of the surgery and, like you see people who are like really just like thirsting for torah so that for me uh has been has impacted my learning i'm i'm you know I'm the guy who's, wow. who's sitting and learning, but like I see these people who aren't being paid to sit and learn. And uh, for me, that's been an amazing, amazing. I love that. I love that. And I didn't set that up whatsoever. That, that's yeah, amazing. I'm not reading off a script down here. Don't worry. It's, uh... That's amazing. That is such a beautiful, beautiful thought and a really beautiful insight, which is amazing. So, um, Rabbi Drury, when you think about yourself at the age that the boys in the Shiva are now, do you look back and say there were things you wish you did differently that you could tell yourself then and maybe you need to tell them now? Oh, so good. I mean, there's a, I guess the one thing I would think of right off the bat is Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Tamim Hashem So it means take day in, day out as it goes and, and remember that you're with Hashem and that Hashem is guiding you. And uh, eventually you'll reach the goals that you want to reach. You have to have goals. But when it comes to the day in, day out, don't sweat it too much. Come to Seder, learn, do what you got to do. That's, that's I get along the lines of what Rabbi Bogopolsky said before I was on. Um, but I really just, Tamim Tiyam Hashem I think, captures it all. Amazing. But why is it the, uh, the Kolol ever have fun? Is it, is it super intense all the time? Or is there an opportunity for the Kolol families and can have fun too? We, I've never had more fun in my entire life than the Yeshiva <laughs> South Florida call, where Stop we have it. a great time. I mean, we, we have Masibas together. We have, we're involved in the community parties as well. Um, everybody just gets along. It's a great group of guys. The Bakram as well, just really incredible. Um, every day I smile the whole day, <laughs> laughing, learning, whatever. It's amazing. It's a, it's a great environment. It's a warm. Rabbi Goldberg, if I can interrupt moment. also, the, the yeah. women... The, the wives of the Kola and the Rebbeim also have opportunities to get together. They have Malava Malkas and other things. So uh, nice. here's, we're, we're bonding relationships as, as families and also the women, also the men, everyone. It's really, it's, uh, it's great. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Rabbi Foreman, you having fun? I'm having fun. I'm having a lot of fun. I, uh, I drive an electric scooter to Yeshiva every day. I go down uh, past the canals, the sunsets, the sunrises, the palm trees. Um, it's really it's hard to believe it's an amazing it's an amazing opportunity to just like have uh, to be able to leave the the base medrash and 
not have to worry about alternate side parking and <laughs> no shoveling and tickets and like it's just it really just gives you a certain level of yeshivadas that like allows you to learn more and better do you worry for, do you worry for next year and and the third year that you know in these in these early years you know please god the yeshiva next year will double maybe more and so you know do you worry do we worry that we're going to lose something that that small and that warmth and that initial feeling that we're building something it's exciting to grow with bigger numbers and more people and less room in the base medrash and a greater kol Torah, but do we worry we'll lose something special i i think some of warmth comes from numbers or lack of numbers um but most of the warmth comes from the personalities and the rebellion that sit in the front of the base medrash and the the types of get-togethers that we have and the type of environments that we are creating right now and i think that Right now we're laying the foundation and we're we're building a fun and warm and growth oriented foundation that hopefully everything that gets built after that is just going to continue on that foundation that's great Rabbi Drury, what would you say if you if a word association yeshiva south florida what comes to mind good vibes good there's vibe. energy there's, there's there's real energy you walk into the base measures you walk into the dining room you walk into the hot there's there's good energy that's what i would say there's good energy Amazing. Ramosha, what's the latest safer that you bought? Or the safer that you um, own that you're most excited that if you were if you were strand I'm actually I'm gonna change up the question for the last group. Which Desert is, Island Safer. Desert I've Island Safer. Based on watching the last guest, so. yeah. Desert Island Safer. Desert Island Safer. Um well my favorite safer on the Parsha is, is Ma'am Loe's is kind of like a compilation of all of the Mafarsham, all of the Halacha, all of the Medrish. So if I, if I if I was on a desert island and I had that, I think I would still get like a nice little uh summarization of all the important things I needed to know. So that's good. Does that does it safer? By Foreman, Desert Island Safer. Um it's also my most recent purchase, so I'm gonna cover both questions here. Um I recently picked up uh Yefei Toar which is a commentary on the Medrash, Medrash Rabbah. Um, I find it to be enlightening and eye-opening and enjoyable. And I think there's that would probably make it tolerable to be stranded on a desert island. So That's great. Rabbi Drory, desert island safer. Uh, I don't want to get, I don't want to <laughs> run out of time. And if I'll be on the island for a long time, I will. Uh, <sighs> That's great. Captivated for a long the, anyone who's listening or watching and doesn't know Rabbi Drury thinks that's like that's like a flex or that's some manufactured <laughs> answer to try to impress. But if you know Rabbi Drury, he means that from like his kishkas shagazari. That's amazing, Rabbi Brody. Yeah, desert Island Safer. Yeah, I I would say that uh, that new iPad that you got at the Art Scroll event that's fully loaded. <laughs> that's a good answer. Or or Rabbi Steinmetz's Otsarachachma Drive. Or, or just one show. share from Eli Stefanski. Keep Rabbi going. Goldberg, what would your what would your desert island safer be? Yeah, it's a good question. My desert island safer, the one he's writing. No, it's a, it's a good question. <laughs> you know, I'm into Ravitcha Meyer by Amdurachecha right now. I mean, it depends on the phase, depends on the time of day, depends on Masechta. I wonder sometimes, like if I ever were, if I ever were stranded in a desert island with one Masechta, would I really know that one Masechta well at least? Nothing else to read or learn or do or occupy your mind. Can we bring that mentality to learning even when we are distracted by so much us that we would if that were like the only thing that we can do? I don't know. I just told the story in the Parsha class that Neubert tells in the introduction to Shmir Shabbos when they were hiding three years from the Nazis, which is why 
he ended up becoming an expert. And then the story of getting on the boat on Shabbos, and he pledged that he would promote keeping Shabbos, and he wrote Shmir Shabbos. But like what, how well he knew Chela Gimel and Subas because when you're hiding three years and don't go near a window or sunlight and have nothing to do but keep reading and rereading. I wonder if we could bring that mentality even mm-hmm. when we can be looking at and doing other things too. I don't know. Interesting question. Interesting question. Okay. Rabbi Brody, anything that we didn't cover tonight? We we met the Hanhala. We met five out of the six members of the Kolal. Again, a big Mazel Tov to Marcus on the birth of his son. And sorry, he couldn't be here. We didn't meet any of the Bachram tonight. They're all learning and steiging as they're supposed to be doing. But uh, any any closing questions, Rabbi Brody, you have? Yeah. What do you I, think I, I'm, I'm trying to figure... watching wants to know about the yeshiva they didn't find out? Yeah, I, I, for me personally, I'm just trying to figure out where I could fit in a schedule of the day just to be part of that yeshiva environment. I think I've, I've really missed that, and I, I can't wait to... That energy. To, just to figure, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. And, and like, what time? Is it in the morning? Is it late at night? Yeah, you know, go, I, go. you know, yeah. whether it's once a week, a couple times a week, find the Chavarusa, not even from the yeshiva necessarily, but just go yeah. learn at the yeshiva because that energy really is great, and it is fun. And, and, and maybe that's a takeaway for anyone listening. You know, you live in a community. Maybe there is a yeshiva, but you never checked into it. Or you just don't 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 have a have. You, you don't you don't feel like you you can walk in. You can walk in. They want to meet you. Yeah. Have a chavrusa with you. Go in. Hundred percent. Go learn. All right, Rabbi Foreman, Rabbi Weiser, Rabbi Drury. Thank you so much for coming to Florida. Rabbi Weiser coming back to Florida, being your in law. You're the best. You have the best in law. So easy to, easy to be near right. them. But thank you for all that you're doing yeah, and bringing to the yeshiva. It really uh, means the world to us. We're so lucky to have it in this in this community. All right, Chevra. Thank you for the Thank you. Rabbi wow. Broday. Wow. Closing, closing thoughts. Yeah, I had no idea. I didn't I didn't know at first I, I just you know met met some of these uh these guys for the first time. So it's a big honor. And I gotta I gotta I guess build up that courage to just go knock on the front door. I haven't just seen the Shiva yet, you know. I'll tell you the, the highlight. I haven't been able to do it every week. Consistency has been a challenge, but I've been trying to have a chavrusa with my dad at the yeshiva once a week. Yeah, nice. And just, you know, going there with my father and sitting in that base medrash and being back in a yeshiva atmosphere and learning with my father. It's so meaningful to me for so many reasons of what's going on there and being with my father and 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 that energy. And, and there is, there's a great energy. It's great guys and a great energy. You know, one of the things I was thinking of when, when I saw that you were going to be doing this, I said, this, this has really got to be special for you. Because it's a project, you saw it through, you had an idea. It took a couple of years to put this whole thing together, and now it's it's actually happening. I mean, I can't. Yeah, I don't want to say it's on autopilot, and I know no. that later some people will think I'm just saying this because I think I have to, whatever. But I, you know, there are people who think I, I I'm involved daily or I'm just taking away from other obligations and responsibilities, um, which is not true. You know, it's not. I, I wish I wish it were true. I wish I were there. I could be there and uh, could be there regularly. Um, it's not true. Um, but when I am there, it's a huge schos and a huge privilege. And like you say, it's an enormous nachas to be part yeah. of something yeshmei and something from nothing, and to see an idea come into reality. It's like having another child. It's like so. It's like, it, so I I know you. So now that this one's checked off the list, what's next? What's next? There's, there's a lot of projects, a lot of ideas, <laughs> a lot of things being worked on. We're never done. Never, never done. done. No. No, you always got it. It's always mostly for holich, space hillel, Hanukkah. You got to be always adding and doing right. and growing and building. Right. And I can't and wait next, to see what's You know, next. you also can't rest on your laurels because the yeshiva start. So that when I walk in there, I pinch myself. I still can't believe I'm going to give a mashal. I'm going to get in big trouble for this. But do you know that most nights before I go to sleep, I go into my son's room and I still yes, I can't believe he's here. You're still doing it. I love my daughter's insane. Every child, yeah. every healthy child is the greatest. You're still doing that? 
I have six girls. My son's 10 years old, and I still almost every night, I can't believe he's here. And I walk into that yeshiva, and I, I can't believe it's here. This was a dream. This was a conversation. This was like a, yeah, wouldn't it be amazing? Maybe, what if? And now there's a yeshiva. It's boys, there's a call. There's a dream team of rebellion. It's right. a campus. There's a force. There's an energy. There's a kol Torah. And I, I, I still I still go in there, and I say, I can't, I can't believe. I can't believe it's here. But you can't rest on your laurels. It, it is a, right. this didn't come up tonight. Recruitment is a ruthless, competitive business. I'm not involved in most of it. The yeshiva is doing it. I'm like Mariana Rivera, previous guest behind the Bima. I come in at the end and try to close. But, um, but you know, you're as good as 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 your next group. So right. year right. one, amazing. Couldn't be better. Bli Ayanhara, the group of guys, the group of the Kolo, the Rebe- it couldn't be better. Dream team of everything. Dream come true. But, you know, please, God, will only continue to go. Hashem, hopefully it's giving Hashem a Nachas Ruach. I'm sure these guys will tell their That's friends, you know. And hopefully now it's giving uh, Rabbi Sformas. Allah yeah, Shalom, wow. the Olama Emma says he's meeting his night. maker. When he talked to us about meeting the creator, meeting his creator, again, want to dedicate and thank him, that generosity, that vision, all that he did for this yeshiva to, to begin. We're so deeply, deeply appreciative to him for that. Deeply appreciative to everybody who's contributing and giving and person who named the yeshiva and, and is the absolute senior partner and it happening wouldn't be here without him he's just amazing and uh, we should just continue to grow with other yeshivas in our community and around the world all complementing and all working together in partnership and all building torah in beautiful beautiful ways amazing rabbi brody till next time stay happy stay healthy stay holy thank you for listening to behind the bima if you enjoyed the show please subscribe rate and review on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next week for another peek behind the beamer.